Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we explore an active self-care lifestyle. My name is Andrew Ware. I am your host, and I am the running rep. This is more than just going for a run or a bike ride. These are conversations with others as we seek to build a theology of self-care together, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves in whatever way feels best for us as we seek to live out our faith and vocations. In this episode, I'm starting a, a little bonus series for you all at my ch- at the church that I serve, Beach Grove United Methodist here in Suffolk, Virginia. I am doing a sermon series on self-care. And this is not like other sermon series that I've heard in the past that talk uh, primarily about rest and Sabbath, but this is going to be a holistic dive into self-care and really beginning to parse out that theology that we have been working on. So I wanted to share it here on this feed. It, it, it does normally go on my church's feed, uh, and it's there as well if you want to head over there. But I wanted to put it on this feed for us to learn and explore together in this community as well. And so um, everything is going to be here in the introduction, and then we will jump right into the episode. And so I want to make sure that uh, we have this opportunity to sit and listen to these words as I preach them this last Sunday. Um, We're still going to have the Friday episodes coming out, so look for that coming out this Friday. Uh, make sure that you are follow or subscribe to this podcast. And those, those episodes are just going to be right in your feed as you get them. Uh, don't forget to share this with a friend. Let them know because uh, I'm hoping in this series we can really begin to reconnect that understanding of self-care, that understanding of faith, and and maybe, just maybe through this exploration, begin uh, to heal some wounds that may have festered from the church itself, but also from society in general, as we build a self-care ritual together. And so let's dive into this episode. Check out those show notes for all the other links, but we're going to go ahead and dive in and hear this message. The scripture lesson for this message comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a le- so likewise, When a a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Having poured oil and wine on them, he went, then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Uh, Let us go to God in prayer. 
Holy God, may the words of my mouth and meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would grow closer to you, learn more about you, more about ourselves, and more about what we offer to this creation. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, when, when I first started out in ministry about eight years ago, I, I was a young hotshot. I'm sure you can all just see that in me, right? I thought I knew everything. I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I was going to be the perfect and best pastor. Um, I'm still waiting for that one. <laughs> thought I was going to be able to do everything the right way. I was this young 25-year-old kid coming straight out of seminary looking to do this work in the church. I thought I had learned everything I needed to know. And then with any job, I started my first day. In fact, my first Sunday, I already felt in over my head as I had problems and issues that I never thought that I would have to deal with, things that they don't teach you in seminary. And by the time, as the time wore on and the new challenges came, as the new challenges went, as I continued to pastor, I began to feel worn out. Now, no fear, because when I was in licensing school, they taught us how to care for ourselves. But you see, the funny thing is, learning is different than actually doing. Learning is different than actually doing. So I had friends, I had colleagues, I had pastors teach us, oh, you need to take a day off during the week. You need to take your vacation. Spend time with your family. Spend time every day in prayer. Take care of yourself all nice ideologies, and then your wife reminds you you haven't had a day off in three weeks. You see, I had the right knowledge up here, but I did not, was not very good at putting it into practice. Our lives require this delicate balance of caring for ourselves as we do the work that we are called to do, as we live out our life of faith and vocation, and as we live out our lives knowing, understanding, and caring for ourselves. Throughout this pandemic, we have talked about so many aspects of the church, right? We talked about community, at least since I've been here. We've talked about vision. We've discerned God's vision here in this place, in this community. We've looked at the transforming landscape and nature of society. And namely, we've talked about working harder for our faith. But you know what we haven't talked about? We haven't talked about caring for ourselves. Because if the pandemic has taught me anything, it is that those first five-ish years, six years of ministry, were nothing compared to doing ministry in a pandemic. That even the self-care skills that I had learned, that I had finally gotten somewhat comfortable with putting into practice, were made that much more difficult in this pandemic era. There have been more burnouts across society in the last three years than any other time that we can think of in the history of the Methodist Church. This is, this is pastors. The impact that this has had, not just in the church, but in society. And yet, this is a topic that we typically shy away from. It's always work harder, do more, and you will succeed. But when, my friends, 
can we have an opportunity to care for our own well-being so that we're not working all the time, so that we have time to care for ourselves, to care for our friends, to care for our family, and to care for our community. It was the pandemic that really began to teach me. And I'm sure that some of you who have seen me on social media know that this has probably become like my new thing. But I thought it was, I thought it was time. But someone preach a series, not on rest, not on rest. I'm not talking about just taking your Sabbath. I'm not talking about just resting. But what a good mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, self-care life looks like. And so I sought out to find out what this truly meant. I really thought I had been caring for myself. I thought I was far from burnout. And now I look back and I realize not only was I not caring for myself, but I was burnout. And my inability to know, to listen, and to really understand kept me from seeing it. As I began to care for myself, I began to see old wounds that rematerialized. I began to know and understand things that I had not been able to see before. And so I started to try and figure this stuff out. I created groups around other clergy, around other lay people in the world. I went to Facebook, the source of all good and evil that is in the world, to, to seek to learn. to have conversation, to know and understand deeper and unpack this theology of self-care. And as I began to have those conversations with friends, with colleagues, with people all across the world, I began to realize that this is not something that we talk about in the church. Right? We always talk about going out and serving God. We always talk about doing work for God, coming in here, volunteering all the time, doing all of this service, doing all of this ministry, doing everything, all of these things. Occasionally we'll preach that, yeah, God took a day of rest, and so you should take a day of rest. But do we actually talk about what can happen in that day of rest? The importance for that rest, the importance for that time to spend with yourself, to spend in different communities thought back on my entire life in the church, and I could not remember a time I had heard a pastor talk about the role of self-care. Beyond just a day or two off here, maybe a vacation, maybe go for a walk, but you see, as I've come to find out, self-care is so much more than that. Because the very basic idea of self-care, in its fullest and most holistic nature, is biblical. Right? It's right there in the Bible. And yet it's something we often look over. I couldn't remember reading scripture and hearing about self-care. I couldn't remember a sermon about self-care. And yet when I opened my eyes to it, I began to see it anywhere and everywhere I went. And then enter this passage of scripture that is before us today. Because this is where it started. Now as you are probably thinking to yourself, well, pastor, this is about loving your neighbor, right? Look at the question that the, that the uh, 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 well, I can't remember how he's identified in the scripture. What, is, what, is, what does it say there? An expert in the law. 
right? An expert in the law asks Jesus, here in verse 25, so you have your sermon notes there, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus answers and asks him, because Jesus is always great at answering questions with a question. Well, what's written in the law? Now, you see, if you go back into the Old Testament and you read through all of those, you know, if you read through the the first five books, the, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, if you read through those books, you will read about a lot of laws. If you're having trouble sleeping. But here's the other thing, is if you read through those books, if you read through those texts, there is a theme. And you see, the great thing is the people of Israel note that theme when they are writing these books. And that's where this legal man gets this understanding from, because he knows exactly what he is supposed to say. He knows he's not supposed to list out those thousands of laws that occupy the books of Deuteronomy and Numbers and Leviticus, all those. No, he knows because he knows from the ancient texts that the entire law can be summed up into two commandments. Two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your heart. I'll get those in the right order eventually. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right? This is not even something, this is, some, this is what the legal expert says. Is how the law can be summed up. And we hear this from Jesus in other places too. And, and Jesus gives him his credit, like, yep, that is good. That's what you have to do to inherit eternal life. You have to love God, and you have to love your neighbor as yourself. And so now you're wondering, because, right, what's his next question? And who is my neighbor? And Jesus, like Jesus always does, he likes to answer with stories. Just like he answers with questions, other times he answers with stories. But you see, Jesus takes this entirety of the law, everything that the law is summed up. And one of the things we forget about, and that Jesus will highlight in the story of the Good Samaritan, is those last two words in the second great commandment. As yourself. You see, we're called to love God. With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, every ounce of our being, we are called to love God. Amen? Right? Love God is the given context of our faith. Really, any faith in this world, any religion in this world, has a faith in some sort of deity or some sort of deific figure or some sort of higher being. There is a faith. Higher being, higher beings. There's a faith in a God, in many gods. And in our faith, we believe in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in the triune God. In Jesus, who just like this legal expert has spent much of his ministry and much of his childhood reading and memorizing the Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, knows that that second part is just as important as the first part. Because when we love God... We are called to also then love creation. All of creation. And you want to know what the most difficult part of creation to love that I have learned as a pastor? The most difficult part of creation for me to love is myself. Because I know for me, I get stuck in that first part of the law. I get stuck that I'm called to love my neighbor. That I forget that I am also called to love myself. And so what do I do? I pick out my flaws. 
I pick out my errors. I pick out everything that is wrong with me. Right? I am a terrible person. I fail a lot. But love your neighbor as yourself. You see, if I truly believe all of those things about me, what does that say about how I am able to love my neighbor? Right? Let's dive into that scripture there. And let's look at the story that Jesus tells this legal expert, right? Because it involves all these aspects of the law, all three parts of the law, right? We love God, love neighbor, love ourselves. And this statement hinges on this three-way nature of love that the law is built upon. And so we dive into this story, and we see within this story a man who is beaten half to death, is left laying on the side of the road. And we see a Samaritan man who is the one who stops him. And I want to say that the Samaritan man is the one who loves himself the most. Why? Because he's the one that stops. And now you're saying, but what about the other two? Because they clearly cared a lot about themselves because they didn't want to get dirty. You're, you're good, you're good. You're, like, these are great questions that you all are asking me. You're, very, you're a very intuitive congregation. You see, we can get to this point where we believe that our faith is a matter of service over self. And for the priest and the Levite who failed to stop, who walk on by on the other side, it is their faith that gets in the way of them truly being able to express their love for God, their love for neighbor. Not their love for God, but their love for neighbor. And in doing so, resist an opportunity to love themselves. Why? Because they are so caught up in their faith that they cannot live out the basic tenets of their faith. They are so caught up in staying holy and pure. Right? These are pastors. These are people who are leaders in the church who are failing to do the work that God is calling them to do because they haven't seen within themselves the nature in which God calls them to be more than they are. They care too much about God. And yes, I went there. I went there. That I will say they don't actually love themselves. They have not done that triune work of knowing and understanding what God's love actually looks like. Right, and we hear this context, especially within this text. I hear it all the time. Service over self, right? The, the Samaritan man gives of himself. He's going someplace else. He could be doing something else, and yet he stops and helps the man. To which I ask, why does the Samaritan man leave? Why does he not stay until the man is fully healed? Why does he not stay and help the man until he can uh, return back to the, the, da the daily life that he lives? Instead, we read in verse 30, 35 that the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Yes, he's going to return, but he also understands that he cannot stay here and care for this man. Because whether it is 
his own business that he has to go and attend to, whether it is time that he needs for himself, whether it is time he needs for his family, the Samaritan man recognizes what he needs to do. The Samaritan knew that his ability to love his neighbor only went so far that at some point in time, he was going to need to pass this opportunity off to another person to care in the meantime while he went and did work that, w- that needed to be done for him. Right? And we see within this, this nature in which the Samaritan man's full nature of love, love for God, love for neighbor, love for self, allows him to be a vessel for who God is calling him to be. And to do it in a way that God is calling him to serve. Right? The priest and the Levite, they were so concerned with being pure, with being holy. Their love for self went too far. Their love for God had gone too far. And they could not live into this great commandment. And we can get into that understanding too. I truly believe that I am a better pastor, a better Christian when I am practicing true self-care. Right? The man, the legal expert asks at the beginning, who is my neighbor? It would have been very easy for Jesus to just tell the story of the Samaritan and then just stop when the Samaritan helps the man. And yet Jesus makes sure that he includes every aspect of that law. He needs time to care for himself as he seeks to continue to love his neighbor. And this is the example that we have in Scripture. This is the example of love, of neighborly sacrifice and service. That there are bounds and there are understandings in the way in which we love our neighbors. And when we look at it, it's important to delineate what this actually looks like because we might get lost in the trap that what, of what loving ourselves actually looks like. Right? It's not an ego trip. It's not a matter of self-inflation. It's not even an opportunity to love ourselves at the expense of God or others. It's an opportunity for us to understand God's love, God's grace more deeply. It's an opportunity to know ourselves more. Know who we are in the light of God's grace. And then it's an opportunity to deepen our love for others. I just got back from two weeks of, we'll call it vacation. But that was two weeks of not preaching. So I'm glad I remember how to do this. It's comforting. I'll always remember how to talk in front of people. And it's that time to get away. You know, it was a rocky vacation. We had a lot that happened in the midst of it. And yet, one thing that I continue to hold on to is the opportunities that I did get a chance to rest. 
without anxiety, because we had COVID go through our house. Not through our house, but like someone, you know, when that happens. We've all had that, right? But like the moments of rest that I got, within that, knowing and understanding the way that that feeds me, so that when I come back here, I'm not a high ball of stress like I am about 95% of the time. I have an opportunity to think and look clearly at different things. And I have an opportunity to be fully present when I am present with you all. I don't have to worry about whether my stole is straight. I don't have to worry about all of these different things. But I know that being in your presence is the true treat of what I can offer to you all. Right? We can learn from this entire parable. Right? It's important to love the neighbor in trouble, to love the neighbor who deeply needs help, to love the neighbors all around us, but our love has to begin here. Because how can I ever truly see my neighbor for the love I'm supposed to offer them if I have not created the space within my heart, within my soul, within my mind in order to be able to offer the true and genuine love of God? And so we're going to look at self-care. We're going to spend a, a little bit of time here at closing out the summer and going into the early part of fall. We're going to look at rest and Sabbath, but it's not going to be the whole series. Right? We're going to look at natures of unpacking our, our mental, our emotional, our physical, our spiritual health. These things that give us this space to fully practice our faith, not just in one moment, either when we're here at church or when we're in Bible study, but to have the mental and the spiritual capacity to be disciples no matter where we are. Right? It's not that our love for others is contingent on how we love ourselves. Right? We, we don't sacrifice one for the other. It's not service over self. It's not self over service. It's self and service. And God. Well, God first. God and service and self. We do not do one at the expense of others. And th this is why faith is so hard. This is why we are not immediately transported to heaven as soon as we are baptized. Right? I'm sure we all wish that that was the case. This is why faith takes work. Because we learn and grow in God's love. We learn and grow in how we love and understand ourselves in God's grace. And we learn and grow in how we offer that to the world. It's about knowing when to help, knowing when to leave, and knowing when to come back. Amen.